Welcome to A Cup and a Conversation. I'm Grant Ongst, Community and Economic Development Director for the City of Brunswick. And today I have Al Mattis, Vice President of Ambulatory Operations and Business from Southwest General Hospital. Al, welcome to the show. Thank you, Grant. It's great to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. So Southwest has an interesting history, and uh, you've been with them now for how long? I've been with the hospital for about 15 years. Actually, just celebrated my 15-year anniversary. Congratulations. So that's, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Great, great organization. How, how'd you end up there? Well, it's a uh, good question. Actually, uh, it's kind of a, took a little bit of time. Uh, always, always wanted to work at Southwest. And as it turned out, the CEO who I worked under at Parma Hospital became the CEO at Southwest General. Tom okay. Selden. Okay. And uh, we had lunch one day, and he said, I'd like you to come over and work with me, and the rest is history. So, okay, very good. Uh, it's been, it's, you know, it's the relationships you develop over time and, and the work that gets done, and uh, we're continuing to do some really great things at Southwest General. Well, there's no doubt about that. You've got a wonderful facility here in Brunswick. And you're also a major sponsor of our recreation center. Correct. It, it's so important to us to have a, a connection out in the community. And a number of years ago, uh, we, started, we started that sponsorship. And it's important because as Southwest General Health Center, we've had a specific focus on the health side of things. It's not just about sick care, but it's also about how do you keep families healthy and and the ability to support great, great organizations uh, in the community, such as as the rec center, is is really key to fulfilling that that portion of our mission and our philosophy. That's terrific. So, so you obviously got to Southwest through through some mechanism. Let's let's back up in Al's life and and find out uh, where did you grow up, Al? I actually grew up in Seven Hills, so I've been a Ohio resident my entire life. That's lived terrific. in uh, the Northwest Ohio area for about five years. Okay, and worked with the ProMedica system out there. Sure, it's and a then, big system out there. It's a big system, and uh, then then moved back to Cleveland and have been. Uh, in and around the healthcare arena uh, since uh, the, the late '90s. Okay, and and when uh, I'm assuming you uh, you have some training or something in healthcare, you have a college degree, you have certificates. Tell us about that. Well, I went to Cleveland State. I'm a Viking, uh, and uh, I have a biology degree. That's my undergrad and after that I was doing research in artificial organ development and heart and hypertension research that's that's very interesting big core core research hardcore research wow. and, and that it was a great time love love the uh, love that and decided to go on for my master's degree and so went back to Cleveland State and received my MBA with a healthcare specialization nope. and uh, kind of took a, a little bit different route Sure, and uh, have seen just wonderful things, and uh, been able to develop different businesses and uh, different programs that have helped a lot of people in both Northwest Ohio and, and Northeast Ohio. All, all in the medical field. All in the medical field. Okay, that's terrific. So, so uh, 
Now, when we talk about Southwest, there are lots of facets to uh, medical facilities these days, and a lot of people don't don't know all of them, and you kind of touched a little bit on it. So here in Brunswick, we have um, Southwest Health Center, and you've got an emergency room there, right? Correct. It's the first one in, in uh, northern Medina County. Yes, exactly. And so, so you've got that there right next to Brunswick City Hall. Correct. Which is fantastic. And you've got physical therapy and you have other types. What, what are some of the other types of physicians that may be there? Uh, we have all, from primary care physicians. We have family practice physicians. As you said, we have physical therapy there, uh, imaging uh, laboratory services. We have rheumatologists and pediatrics. Um, just a you know wide wide range of, of medical practices that uh, they're they're members of our medical staff. Okay, great. How did how is it that you, uh, uh, an organization such as yours decides? Uh, because how old, how old is this facility here in town? We opened it up in. Uh, June of 2008. Okay. So now we had we had another location here, but this particular one was was in 2008. Right. Southwest actually built this building. Correct. Yes. It's it's and it's a beautiful building. So so when you opened it, how does an organization such as yours in the medical field decide? Okay, we're going to build this new building, and we're going to fill it with medical people, all kinds. And, and um, not just for physical ailments, but maybe mental or, or social wellness as well, all kinds of things, and especially as we go into day, today's day and age. How did you come about saying these are the types of specialties or these are the types of doctors? How does that work? Well, we've done some pretty extensive na- analysis before we even built the building. So sure. you, you kind of have an idea of what the community need is. and. Across across most counties in in uh, Cuyahoga and uh, Medina, Lorraine, Summit counties, there's there's a significant need for primary care. So we knew that there would be, you know, we'd want that, and and that comes into two components. You have your family medicine, which will take uh, you know children down to you know two to three years, and then you know up to adults, or you have your internal medicine, which is geared more towards the 18-plus adult. So you have a combination thereof. Um, and then other other items um, or other areas, such as rheumatology for maybe an older population or people that have some uh, rheumatic-related uh, issues. And um, pediatrics, this is a growing community. It was... Uh, you know, of a thriving practice back in the day, back in the uh, 1990s, and so we wanted to make sure that we were able to bring those physicians here to help continue to, to service the community. And it's it's been great to see the reception that we've gotten from the community. And then putting in the emergency department, we had an urgent care here when we opened up the building. Okay. And um, we really decided early on that we thought that it would be very helpful to add an emergent, a freestanding emergency department. And so we went about a, a course of action with working with both the city, the leaders at, at the time, as well as the community people and say, you know, uh, we had medical control of the uh, Brunswick Hills and uh, Brunswick fire departments. And so okay. we worked very closely with them. How, 
how does this work? How do we make sure that we're transferring patients the right way? How do we provide the best service to people? And so um, that's kind of how those, the, there, there's a, a process that you look to. You get input from the community, and then you go and uh, get down into the details. And the, the key to that is making it happen. And sure, we were actually able, with, with the support of our board of, of trustees, we went from concept to breaking ground in nine months. Wow. Which was outstanding. That's outstanding because so, when you think of a facility like you have, and we all have had uh, times where we've gone to gone to doctors and, and healthcare professionals, <clears throat> we know we know it's expensive. We know building medical buildings is a little bit different than just building a, a typical absolutely. stick building. So so you've got uh, extra features in there. So to go from that to breaking ground in nine months, being able to free up the money to, to put be in that position, because you, Southwest, like many other medical facilities, has a responsibility for the health and well-being of a community. Right. So it's not just, let's just throw something at it and see what sticks. Right. Well, and, and although Brunswick's not one of our founding communities, it is an extremely important community to our organization. You know, many of our physicians, our staff members live in and around uh, Brunswick and uh, surrounding communities. And we want to be able to make sure that we can help them and, and, and continue to service their health care needs. And by putting a facility such as that right here in, in the heart of Brunswick, uh, I think we've done a service to, to the community. And it's been beneficial to, to Southwest in terms of our ability to put new services. I mean, we have a fantastic therapy department here. Uh, our emergency department team is, is outstanding, and we get nothing but really rave reviews about it. So um, we're, just, we're just thrilled to, to be here and to be part of this community. That's great. But, but you're not just a, a uh, medical guy. You're not just there. You, you also are in the community in other ways. One of which is the Northern Medina County Chamber Alliance, the the the, the business chamber, if you will, for Northern Tier of Medina County. How did you get involved with that, and and what do you what do you help what do you help do in that organization? Well, I uh, I was brought. We've always participated in the chambers, and, and as an organization, we've always felt it's important to stay engaged in ch- local chambers and and other organizations. Because we're a community hospital, so we want to go and, and be part of the community. And what is a community hospital as, a, as opposed to a for-profit hospital? Well, a for-profit hospital typically has investors and uh, maybe, you know, they're... they're Focus is how do they make money? How do they maybe return a dividend to their to their investors? Uh, they're focused on the business, and while the business of healthcare is important, there's also a mission, and that's where a community hospital really I think benefits a community, whether it's part of giving back to the community, um, involving the community in in various aspects of program development, facility development, whatever it might be. Uh, but it's also just a, it's a philosophy. You know, I, I think if you walk down a, a hallway or, or into the building here at Brunswick and you see a Southwest General employee, they're typically going to say, 
hello to you, good morning, how are you doing, the look you in the eye. It, it's, it's a feeling of you're part of the family and we're part of your family. And I think that we really try to cultivate that with, with our, our, uh, our staff and, and just our culture in general uh, is really geared towards we're, we're members of this community and we're going to, we're from the community and we're going to take care of the community. And to that, going back to the, the uh, chamber, you yep. got, you got involved because of being in the community and, and how do you, how do you go about participating in that? So uh, I was lucky enough to be able to be uh, asked to join the board after I spent some time on the just being part of the chamber and going to meetings and and uh, luncheons and you know interacting with folks and um, so I was asked to to uh, participate on the board and so after uh, a few years on the board then. Uh, I was asked to step up and take more of a leadership position. So I've been the treasurer uh, and the vice uh, vice chair, and then uh, last year became chair of the board after Ed Gonzalez, who had done a great job. Um, he stepped down, and so I kind of stepped into that role. And it's 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 such a fantastic chamber. It's it's so active. It's probably one of the most active in the area. We have over 300 businesses with with uh, new businesses. Even even during the pandemic, the growth in in the uh, membership has been fantastic. So there's there's a lot of vibrancy here in in Northern Medina County, and it's it's a great place for businesses. And people that are looking to start a business, get involved, be part of something bigger, and help help grow their business through their networking and uh, interactions, not just with other businesses, but also in the community. And, and you've done uh, other activities as well. I, I know just a few years ago, um, you were involved with the Cleveland Heart Ball. <laughs> yes, how, how I did, was. How did you get involved with that? Uh, that was just, you know, some, some of the people that you meet over time. Uh, the American Heart Association is a, is a great organization and, and funds a lot of research. And actually, uh, as, as I mentioned before, my, my undergrad in biology, um, I had done re- the heart and hypertension research. And so I was familiar with some of the funding that the American Heart Association does for, for research. And, and in Northeast Ohio, we have some outstanding research facilities at uh, the university hospitals and the Cleveland Clinic and, and our um, higher education. And so just through some contacts, I was asked to, uh, to be on the AHA board, the local board here, and uh, then was also became became chair of of uh, of the Heart Ball, and so we raised we raised uh, a good amount of money that went to the American Heart, and then gets reallocated back for for local research. So oh, it was a, another way of uh, giving giving back to the community. That's fantastic. So so in in your work there. Um, Obviously, you've gotten involved with different organizations, and uh, you've taken steps to engage with community members and, and activities within your industry. What do you find interesting about how you've, how you've gone from one point in your life to the next to the next, and, and how are you able to help transition some of that knowledge to the next generation coming up? through your leadership style or through mentorship? How does that work? 
I found it interesting that as I look back at my career, how many times I find myself in a place that I never would have thought that I would find myself in. And the one thing that keeps on coming back to me is that everything that you do is additive. You may look at things at a certain point in time and say, well, this is, you know, what, what's the benefit? But then when something else gets put in your path and you decide to pick, pick that up and move forward with it, uh, you can see how there's value in that and what you learn from those at different experiences. I think the one thing that I have found the most is that what really matters most are people and the people that you know, how, how you interact with them, um, how authentic you are with them and, and how you can develop a, a level of trust that then translates into other opportunities. And a lot of times you don't know what those opportunities are going to be. So oftentimes when, when something's put in my path, I will try to pick it up and, and move forward with it because you don't know where it's going to lead. And, and I think there's nothing better than a little adventure in your life, and, and especially when it's something that you've never done before and you learn something new. I think that that's outstanding. That, that's a great philosophy. And if you haven't done it, give it a shot. All you can do is fail, but if you're successful, now you've got something. But that's, the worst, that's the worst you can do is fail. That's right. But haven't you found that that uh, sometimes you learn more out of failing at, at something than you do if you do it successfully the whole time? I've had this conversation with some other folks right. that have been able to join us. Um, and, and we teach in this country how to work hard to be successful. Correct. But there are a lot of people that are that we think of in the media as being very successful that had many failures prior to that. Right. Has that ever happened in your career? Oh, I think that there have been a, a number of times that it's like, hmm, that did not go the way that I had <laughs> planned for that to go. But um, but you, and it's okay because you survived and right. you have thrived. Right. Now, you know, I also have been lucky enough to work with some great people that have, who have accepted the fact that, you know, nobody's going to do 100% but they're supportive and you know they can help help guide hey, maybe we should try this differently or, or and so i think that that also helps so in terms of you know your previous question about how do you do that next generation i try to use that same philosophy you know i'm 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 a driven person i don't like to lose <laughs> you know but but sometimes sometimes loss is inevitable so how do you, how you handle that? I think says a lot about character, and then how do you say to people, "Don't worry if you fail. Did you did you learn something from that? Can you take something from it, um, and can you make it better the next time?" And I think that that is the key: making it better for the next time. And and it, and if you're doing things for the right reasons, which typically is to help people or to do something good. Your, even even your failure isn't going to be a failure. I find it also interesting that um, when we talk about success, we, we all think monetarily of success. And that's not necessarily the best way to measure success. Right. I, I see where a lot of people measure success of the stuff I have, the car I drive, the place I live. And yet it was interesting... Um, 
Steve Jobs, when when he was alive, late later in his life, closer to his passing, mm-hmm. he talked about he really didn't need all his stuff, and the happiest time he had was when he got rid of over seventy percent of his stuff, because you really didn't need stuff; you needed people, right. which is what you have said you focus on. Right. So, so I, I think it's how do we measure success at times? Well, and and I think the I think it's a good good question, and and oftentimes you will never know how you affect somebody. I mean, there could be things that you think are completely irrelevant that change people's lives. And so um, I think you just have to go and be decent to people, treat treat people with, with uh, respect and kindness and, and uh, dare I say, love, you know, and, right. and uh, let, let people understand what your expectations are. Um, but... Have, have an ability to be flexible and and exhibit a an acceptance and maybe a, a welcoming of, of new ideas you know I think that going your your question just again next about next generation I'm always asking my team members what do you think how do you yeah and it's not because I don't have an idea but I think it's important that that they express what they're because I'm not the biggest brain in the room, you know, but there's perspectives that other people have that I don't have. And so I, I want to gain that perspective also. Sure. And, and I think it lets people know that they're, they bring value to, to the process, the organization, the whatever, you know, may be being developed. And I think that that's, uh, that's very important. That's interesting. In, in fact, in some of my dealings with some of my team members, um, when they were first getting to know me, of course, being the new guy, the new development director, people are trying to figure out, well, how should I approach this? How should I not approach this? And what I made very clear early on was, I want you to tell me the truth. I want to know what your thoughts are and the direction we need to go. And... I want to be able to walk in, hand you information, and you can read it, decipher it, make decisions, and move forward. Because everyone's going to have a, a mistake or a falter or something at some point in time. If that happens, just say, okay, that, that, that didn't work out. But we've learned, and now we move forward. And, and I think when you, when you talk to people and you say to them very clearly, succinctly, and honestly... I want to hear what you really think. I have community members that will call me out and they'll say, I don't like this, I don't like that, or there's a problem over here. I said, that's great. I said, how can you be so happy about me calling and complaining? I said, well, how can I fix anything if I don't know there's something wrong? How can I help? And I can't always right. fix stuff, and mm-hmm. that's okay. But is there something we can put in place to try to make it better? At least you understand the issue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and, and that goes true with employees and, and team members and, and um, from, from the person that, that, which is critically important in a, in a hospital or medical setting, the folks that do all the cleaning and all the organizing, we, I think we've all had a big shock over the last few years as to how important Absolutely. those folks are. And I, I, think, I think we put that aside in the years past. But 
everybody that's in a role of some nature is important. Absolutely. There, there's, there's no doubt about it. The, the, uh, the role that everybody plays, like in, in, a, in a hospital setting, it is a microcosm of, of a city. I mean, you have everything, as you said, environmental services, we have police, we have administration, you have the, the people who are coming in and out of the building, so visitors and patients. It, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing the, the complexity of it, and yet it, you get the right group of people, and it's, it's amazing things can happen, and amazing things do happen every day, and that's what, one of the things that keeps me engaged at, at, a, at you know, a, a, a place like Southwest General. You think, okay, this is a, a good size, you know, medium to large size hospital, but the, the care that's being delivered and uh, the, the willingness for people to jump in uh, is, has been just outstanding, and, and it's inspirational when you really think about it. Especially during the past, the past couple years, have seen no, nothing but constant change, and and it's not incremental change; it's big changes. Big changes every day, every day of, of how medicine <laughs> so. is delivered, how how services can help certain populations. Absolutely. In, in hospitals, you talk about being a city um, within a city; those facilities address everybody and everything right and it's it's the folks that have tremendous needs to the folks that are simply having follow-ups right and that that's a wide breadth and depth of of knowledge that has to take place and care yes and care is that critical word especially in your world right well the care is is huge because i'm a firm believer of Attitude over aptitude. I can I can teach you to do things, but if you don't have the right attitude, that's not going to be a great as great of an experience. And I think we have a lot of people that have a great attitude at, at Southwest. And like I said before, that that can do spirit and that will do. We're going to make this right for our patients and for the visitors and and um, you know interacting with the community. I think that that's something that um, people can feel really good about that in their community that they have an organization like that that is trying to do the right things on a daily basis. Sure. How, how many, we haven't touched on this, but how many people in general approximately over all the spans of Southwest operation are there? There are about... Uh, 2,400 people. It turns out to about 1,800 full-time equivalents. Okay. So, you know, it's everything part-time, sure. half-time, full-time. Sure. And, and how many beds are at the hospital? 356, I believe, is the current count. Wow. So it's, good, it's a good-sized organization. It's, it's very good size, right? Right. So so switching gears, because I've got you here and you're... you're in the medical field, and I'm locked in. You lock the door. I, can't, I lock I can't the leave. door. I can't. You can't get out. Um, what did the pandemic teach you? What What is it that you learned? Not just you, but the organization learned from really something that shut down the world. And 
What did what was the takeaway from that, and what do we do now differently than we did before? I think what we learned from that is to be open to new possibilities because literally it was a day-to-day change, either new information that came down or new regulations or requirements that had people, I mean, the the things that happen, how do you get N95 masks? Where do you get hand sanitizer and enough? You know, where do you get gowns? It was, every day was something uh Something more challenging. Yeah, so and, it wasn't just the supply chain issues of getting product for the medical staff to care for, but now you also have to care for that. And and we know a heck of a lot more today than we did then. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were feeling our way through the darkness uh, with a candle, <laughs> you know, and, and that candle was really... The, the attitude of, of, again, the staff, the nurses, the, the environmental, you know, the, the dietitians, the nutritional folks, uh, administration, the medical staff, um, everybody kind of pooling like, okay, how do we get through this thing? Because we knew we were a community hospital. And in fact, our hospital was founded back in 1920. So Right during the pandemic, we were going to celebrate our 100th year anniversary. And that 100-year anniversary was based upon the fact that uh, after the Spanish flu, right, that people in the community got together, raised money to start a hospital so that they wouldn't have to have people, which was a significant journey at that time, going from Berea, Middlebrook Heights area downtown into Cleveland. So we were actually founded during, you know, during a, a pandemic. And 100 years later, here we are again. Um, so that gave us a, a certain amount of pride that, okay, we did this once, we can do this again. And um, everybody pulled together. And it wasn't easy. And it wasn't without frustrations and, and, and that. But we did it. And people came through. And there was a lot of great care that happened. And uh, I just can't say enough about, you know, the caregivers, the nurses, the doctors, like the, the therapists, technicians, everybody um, pushed, pushed through it. And we're still pushing through it because now it's a question of we lost people who decide, you know, I'm, I'm reti- we have this great resignation. So we have retirements that have happened. Right. Um, COVID was an accelerant to a, for a lot of things. Yes, it was. I mean, the fact is is that uh, people in the healthcare and the mortuary business knew that at some point in time there was going to be a peak and heading downhill, if you will, with regards to strictly statistics and data of aged people mm-hmm. and retiring people. Right. And so... But it got the whole process was sped up dramatically. Yeah, we we knew it was going to happen, and then we didn't know it was going to happen this fast. Boom! (laughs) Right, we knew it was going to happen. Economists, you know, we were looking at it, going, "Okay, uh, where's the money flowing? How's it flowing?" And 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 we knew that this was coming from that perspective. And data data shows that um, shows where the age population is and how it's spread out and who's retaining the wealth and who's not. So I can only imagine what healthcare workers were thinking when they started seeing these massive changes because now staffing up 
not just for your industry, but across the board becomes much more difficult. Right. Are you finding people? Let me answer that question, but let me say something first. Just going back to the pandemic. Yes. The one thing that I'd like your listeners to to hear is an appreciation for so many organizations and companies that provided food. They provided uh, things to uplift. We had one church that provided orchids and lilies. You know, that it was just give this to your staff for an appreciation for the work they did. So I wanted to say what to all thought. the communities, uh, organizations, and businesses that said, how can I give back? And they donated things to to the hospital to for either staff members or patients. Thank you, because that was really outstanding and much appreciated more than anybody could really convey it. it Good things it do lifted come out. Thing, it lifted everybody up. Right. Uh, when it comes to um, right now, it, it's hard. There is not one healthcare organization who isn't looking for a phlebotomist, a nurse, a technologist, you know, a therapist. Everybody's looking, um, and you know, it's like where where are these folks? And so you're trying to again, in, how do you innovate? How do you provide the service in a new or different way so that you can service your patients as best as you can? Um, but maybe you have fewer people doing that. Sure. So we're looking at those efficiencies, but. Uh, this is a tough market, and so we're doing everything that we can to attract people. I think we have a we have an outstanding culture. We've had people who have left to go to other organizations that not too long after they leave, they're like, uh, "Can I? I'd like to come back," <laughs> and um, because it's again, it's family, it's community. You know right. that this is this is. Um, uh, it's a great place to work. Sure. So, are you still are are, are you doing more telemedicine and um, video meetings with doctors? Has that been has that been on the rise, or is you know, that kind of tapered it, off? A little yeah, bit? That, that's tapered off quite a bit uh, for us. I think that um, people want that interaction, so we're seeing a lot more of that than we saw on the uh, telemedicine side. Now, other organizations are having different experiences with that but for our population that we're not seeing that as much so but our physician offices you know we're, we're always recruiting new physicians because we have such a demand for people so um, we're, we're looking for people and um, if you're looking for a job check out our website swgeneral.com it's a we have all of our open positions that are available for anybody that may be interested and, and as you said it's not necessarily aptitude it's attitude that's because you can be taught things and be coached correct. you have to have certain certain roles have have certain requirements in them sure. but we can teach a number of things and we do and in um, a hospital setting there are lots of things to do besides being that doctor or that nurse. Absolutely. There are so yeah. many so many support services, uh, like you know, environmental services, nutrition, um, plant operations, you know, people to keep the heat and the lights on. Those are important people. Very, very <laughs> important, especially when the heat or the air yes. conditioning goes off one and day. And plumbers, you don't realize how important a plumber <laughs> is. That's right. So you really need one. That's right. So, so jumping around here a little bit, um, so tell me, when you're not working, when you're not uh, when you're not thinking about operations at at um, Southwest, 
what do you like to do? What are some of the things that uh, get get your motor running, as they say? Well, I'm, I have a bit of a science background, as you know. So science is always uh, an interest of, of mine. And uh, I have latched on since I was about 13 years old to astronomy. Who would have thought in Northeast Ohio, where you have a minimal minimal amount of really clear skies right, right. <laughs> but astronomy has always been a love of mine and um so i've i've you know i've been an observer of the stars and 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 the planets uh, and i've actually kind of at, joined that with my love of photography so doing a lot of astrophotography as well as landscape photography things like that uh, that's where I find I love that I love the creativeness of having maybe a different point of view that I can get an image that captures some of that uh, and and people say like, wow, it's beautiful photography oh it's great it's uh, if if you've ever been to a dark sky site like Mount you know, not Mount but Zion National Park in, in right. Utah where you can look up and the Milky Way is hanging right there in the sky and you can capture some images of that it's awe inspiring. And um, back in 2017, I went out to Colorado to observe the total solar eclipse. And that was a, um, it almost became a spiritual. You could feel the energy about you as, as this thing was, was going into totality. And the interesting thing is that uh, in 2024, on April 8th, uh, we are going to have, we are going to be right on the center line here yes. in Northeast Ohio of that uh, total solar eclipse. So that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. Well, you, you say that it's, I've, uh, I have a uh, background a long time ago in, in backpacking and hiking. Oh, I've done all nice. of Zion and, and really have enjoyed it. And, and you're right. It is spectacular out there. Even when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have a coyote looking at you, that's <laughs> um, always interesting. But uh, one of the most interesting things that uh, I was able to experience when uh, backpacking up in the very northern reaches of Canada is the northern lights. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the day doing photography, Leaving your lens, your lens open, your aperture, and your, and so you can actually see that that whole span, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's just a spectacular feeling. It really is. It, I think one of the things that I always love looking through my telescope, like if I'm looking at a star cluster or something like that, and we tend to be kind of grandiose about our importance, and we are, I think, as as humans. We are important, but as individuals, but I think that the perspective of where you are versus what is all around us gives you some gives you some balance, a little bit uh, possibly humility about we are a small speck of sand in, in this really really big uh, environment. And how's it go? Third rock from the sun, something like that, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. There are lots of things out there that the scientists keep finding, right? And it's it's fascinating. Yeah, the new telescopes that are going up, and I think the work that NASA is doing and SpaceX. I, I'm just it's it's a great time to be a little bit of a nerd. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. So so we're going to run through a few things okay. that um, that you may uh, think about. Favorite favorite pizza. The the make or just the type. 
Either way. Well, I'd, I'd have to go with uh, pepperoni. Yeah. Any particular place? Favorite pizza place? Dewey's in Lakewood. Favorite donuts? Glazed. Where? Anywhere. <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> Favorite bourbon? I hear, I hear you're a bourbon connoisseur. I don't know if I'm a connoisseur, but I, I do enjoy a, a nice uh, brown liquor from, from Kentucky now and then. Um, I would probably say Blanton's. Why? It was, it was the first bourbon that I had, and uh, I took my father-in-law down to Kentucky for his birthday, and that was, that was the first one I had, and it was like, I'm hooked. What would you say to yourself back in the day when you were 18 years old as compared to today? What would you tell your 18-year-old self? Don't let anybody stop you. Do what you think is the right thing to do. So you're standing in line, and you get to talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. What is it that you want them to take away from you as a human being? That's a tough one. Somebody I don't know. Somebody you don't know. You're having a conversation. What's the impression you want to make sure that they're left with as you, for, as a human being? I think the, the key is that they think that I'm authentic, that approachable, and perhaps funny. Very good. So uh, in doing some research for our meeting, I came across a question that was answered by Al Mattis, and it was an interesting question. It was, uh, what makes a superior rib, the meat or the sauce? And this was from June 21st of 2015 of the goalpost for the Post newspapers. I want to make sure I give them credit because I don't want anybody to think I stole this idea. So... Uh, do you happen to remember what your what your response was? First of all, I want to thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> My response was, "It's all about the meat." That's because exactly can, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and, and I'll stand by that because you know you can have the best sauce, but when it comes to ribs, you got to have a good tender rib. Doesn't oftentimes it doesn't matter what sauce you put on. Spoken it. as a true biologist. <laughs> I love to smoke meat, so <laughs> you, I'm, you know. To me, it's like how tender is that meat? And, that's right. Uh, but that's funny. Thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so if there were anybody you could meet at any point in time in life, this question gets asked by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about your life, who is it that you would like to have that lunch with or that five-minute conversation? Anybody at all. Anybody at all. Well, most people will say like one of their parents, but I had been blessed to, to spend 50 or so, 50 plus years with, with my parents. And, and so I think I learned a lot from them. Um, I would, from a historical standpoint, I would love to have a conversation with George Washington. I think that that would be insightful in terms of the philosophy that he was 
fighting for and what he envisioned for this country and to see if we've fulfilled that or are fulfilling that. Um, and, and I think that um, on a personal on a personal note, sure. I think that uh, I think that I would like to meet Jesus. And I'm planning on doing that. <laughs> so that, that I'm working towards that. That's good. Yes, I think that's the answer is I'm working towards that. So what about, um, what about moments in your life, Al, influential moments that changed you as a human being? What, do you have any moment or moments that were critical to your formation to where you are today? Well, I think probably when I was a young teenager, um, seeing my my grandfather pass away, you know, I think that that's like, what is happening there, and and why, what failed, you know, what happened there. So I think that that kind of continued the stimulation of of my interest in the sciences and what happens. Um, so I think from that standpoint, that may have helped move me in, in that direction. Um, I think that uh, maybe more recently, 9-11 was, was a big thing for me. I guess that, you know, most people say that's their um, similar to the JFK experience mm-hmm. in that. Uh, and I think that that... I think that that brought about for me a love of this country and what this country stands for and what it can be and what it should be and what our role as a as a leader of this of the free world should look like. So that was I think that that kind of solidified some things for me. Uh, I think the, the, the other thing that changed my life was um, the, the day my, my first daughter was born. And it was like, I am not that important anymore. <laughs> it's all about, it's all about this, this little one and uh, doing, doing, doing what's best for her. That's a big change. It's a big change. You, you'd like to think, from my own personal experience, that you have knowledge in life and you, in my particular case, made some comments one day when uh, my sister was pregnant. My dad just looked at me and shook his head because he knew I, I should have kept my mouth shut. Then I ended up getting married and having children. And you, you, you learn that you really aren't that important. Right. That, that creature, as I call them, that in a loving way, don't anybody right. get bent out of shape over this, <laughs> that they are the most important factor in your life, right. period. Well, it's a, what, what's that adage, that the, the, more, the more I see, the less I know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I've been blessed with, with uh, four, four beautiful children and, and a wonderful wife, and I, I'm... 
I'm happy. That's great. Yeah. So if you had to uh, sum up anything else you'd like to add to this conversation, what would that be? Well, I think, you know, just from a, from a professional standpoint, I am very appreciative to, to people such as, such as yourself and, and to other, other leaders in, in communities around that, that are doing things to really help build the communities up. You know, I think that pe- people oftentimes don't think about those, but the, the ability to develop the economics of a community, it's not just about creating an increased tax base. It's about creating a way of life. And I think that people sometimes take that for granted or they don't even see that. And um, so I, I appreciate the, the work that you're doing to well, attract businesses. It's, it's uh, great to work with you as, as, you know, as the city working with the chamber, as the city working with Southwest General as an organization. And um, I just I think it's great that, you know, over time we, we've uh, we've become good friends and yes. understand each other and. And I appreciate that relationship also. Well, I do as well, Al. I appreciate that very much. Um, when, you're, when you're sitting at home tonight and you're thinking about the conversation, what kind of ice cream are you having? Um, it will probably be less ice cream and more ice with maybe a little bit of uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon cream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, I want to thank Al Mattis for <laughs> for his time today. Uh, Al being uh, with Southwest General, Vice President of Ambulatory Services. We are so pleased that you were here. Thank you. This has been a moment in time for a cup and a conversation. And next t- until next time, enjoy.